to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, good morning and welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for church leaders by church leaders, established church leaders by, uh, you know, is that I messed it up, but you know what I'm saying. You've listened to enough, enough episodes by now. My what about the ones who haven't listened to it before, Josh? What about our new listeners? Listen back. That's great stuff. We did an episode <laughs> listen to the older episodes about church discipline. We've done some good episodes. You should listen to those. Structuring ministry teams, thinking through evangelism. Good stuff. Good stuff. Did y'all see the uh, Twitter poll that I put up this morning? I did yes, see what are the it. Results? Yes, I sure did. Do y'all know the answer to that? We've only edited one person. I guessed. I guessed one. It was. I guessed his dad, but I don't know. It is. It is. Yes. <laughs> the thumb. We had to edit the thumb. He's the only person we had to edit for content. Um, nothing it was, all, it was well, those expletives he strung together. I mean, one or two is fine, but it's not expletives. Uh, but yeah. So uh, it was funny, and it's and what was. What was also funny is the other guests that were mentioned and it became very self-conscious. Two, uh, of, them, two of them texted me and was like, was it me? And I was like, no. And the, and the one person who's not paying the least bit of attention to is the one account who did it, would be right. Tom Rainer. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was at a pastor meeting uh, earlier this week on Monday and uh, these guys came in and they were talking about this program that they had launched in – it was hospice care here in our town and how many churches were being influenced by it and and they were actually benefiting from it from a kingdom-wide perspective, not just one church. And the program was Grief Share uh, by Church Initiatives, which was, I thought, pretty cool since they're yeah. one of our partners. They, they are a new sponsor. Yes, we're so so excited to have them. Uh, been around for about 25 years. They've got these two incredible resources, highly respected Grief Share, Divorce Care, um, and they, they offer you just this team of experienced coaches as as you implement these programs into your church. They equip your church members to get the program started uh, so that as, as a pastor, it's really not on your plate. So um, excellent, excellent stuff. I'm so glad that we found them as a sponsor because we believe in both of these resources, both Grief Share and Divorce Care. Micah, I believe you, you've just recently yeah. implemented one at your church. We've actually been doing it for a while, and uh, and we're actually just starting a new round of divorce care. We've been doing divorce care for years and years and years, and we've I, I think we've just started Grief Share recently. I could be wrong about that. I know I've seen it being offered recently. We're just now offering a new uh, session of Grief Share, and so yeah, we're really thankful. We've used both of them here at Brainerd for a while, and they've been incredibly helpful uh, to our folks. So I definitely encourage you if you're listening, you're looking for a way to serve those in your church who have maybe struggled with divorce, or there's uh, been loss or trauma in their lives. They need grief share some some help working through that grief share would be a great resource for them as well i believe that god would be pleased with that i do believe that <laughs> josh why are you making that voice man you why are, are you doing you that you are segueing into our topic <laughs> brothers you you Roll you've got beautiful bean you've got to do this you've got to everybody turned in their bibles to jeremiah, jeremiah. so i re- 
I remember, guys, when I was growing up, I was like 11 years old, 10 or 11 mm-hmm. years old, and I went to my pastor's house for the very first time on a Sunday afternoon. His son was a friend of mine, and we wanted to hang out, and his dad, my pastor, the guy who baptized me, walked down the stairs in shorts, and I remember audibly gasping because <laughs> I didn't know that pastors could be normal people. I have and that's, a very similar story where my pastor drove up to our house in an El Camino. And yes. I, was, I was like, what? This is so weird. that's the moment. That's the moment when you realize pastors can both be normal people and cool. Just totally normal people. <laughs> so, but, but I mean, seriously, that's our topic today, right? We, the, the, the idea of authentic leadership in the church, we, you call it the pastor's voice. I call it the pastor who uses three syllables to say the word God when you meet him in the grocery <laughs> store, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, and let's be clear on what we are not saying. There are cultural influences that the way people preach, uh, they may be sing-songy in their voice. Their their voice may be a little bit different with uh, with uh, poetry. There's just different settings, and even we're definitely not even talking about accents. Um, people right. speak differently, or or yeah, rhetorical was... devices, right? Right. So there's some preachers who are or vi- good orators, and sure, right. and they are, um, they may not preach in a way that they in the way that they would converse but there's a very intentional sort of i'm i'm going to bring this sermon to you in an oratory sense in a rhetorical That's sense right. and i'm going to use these rhetorical devices we Which are not is talking about that what we are talking about is the in being inauthentic right. in how right. you're presenting your sermon and this right. this happens in a couple of different ways pro- with the you know i guess if we focus mainly on the tribe that we're a part of i think it could be applicable to different tribes but it will either sound like you might have a young preacher that sounds like they're 50 or you know like from the 50s uh, when the, all of a sudden they stand up there and they're just they're different like what happened what happened to your voice or even in um i think this is something i'm guilty of is if I will listen to a certain preacher regularly, uh, say like a Chandler, somebody with a very distinct cadence or something, I begin to pick that up. And there's an inauthenticity to that that I think we need to be aware of uh, yeah, and in the, our communication. Just so you know, the the two people that are often mimicked badly, just badly, um, because you can't mimic them. Uh, t- t- one, Tim Keller, and two, David Platt. And, yes, absolutely. And particularly yeah. Platt. I mean, John Piper is similar. I've heard guys try to mimic Piper as well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But anytime I've heard people try to mimic Platt, it's just like I, I know who you're trying to mimic, and mm-hmm. you can't, and it's really bad. I I would say our ministry's pastor when he preaches, he sounds a lot like Platt. He has very similar cadence, but he says he doesn't even listen to Platt, which I believe. So, so this happened to me. I remember being in college. <clears throat> excuse me. When I was in college, we would. I went to a small Bible college. We'd have these groups of uh, students who would go out and do little like mini revivals or youth revivals or things like that at local churches. And so we would take out a group of folks who would do drama. Josh, I wish you were there to lead the drama portion oh, of yes. these groups. And then we would have somebody lead worship, and then I would preach. And and on our on our team, we called them. Oh, wait for this. We called them jam teams, Jesus and me teams. And so <laughs> <laughs> we, would, we would go out and we would lead these. And I did remember. You, did I, you wear? Did did you wear your jammers as you were on the jam team? <laughs> we did not. I, I, guys, I was the guy who would, uh, without 
Did they make cameras un- your size, Mike? It was not unusual for me to wear a shirt and tie to school when I would go to class in college. So anyway, that's a whole other issue. But uh, actually, it's related to our issue. So anyway, somebody so we, please please Photoshop Micah and Jammers. I want to see that. I was uh, I was preaching one night, and after I got done, the other folks in my group were like, "Micah, do you know you sound just like?" And they named my favorite professor, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" And I got sort of offended, and I pushed back, and then I went back and I listened to them, and I realized, oh my gosh, they're right. Like I'm mimicking his mannerisms and characteristics. And I think to some degree, all of us do that, right? Like we pick up, we learn things from those who we admire and that's not bad. But I think those of us who are best at both leadership or preaching in the pulpit are those who acquire our own voice. And certainly it's going to be nuanced and influenced by others, but it's going to be our own voice. I mean, the Lord gifted us and called us and equipped us. And so we ought to be able to use our own voice in leadership and preaching. And that's what we're talking about today, right? Not just trying to be the second coming of whoever else you really admire. Right. And and yeah, I'm fine with, as you're learning how to preach, listening to preachers, using some of their techniques. I mean, you shouldn't be so self-conscious about this that you, you know, as you're just, if you're a new preacher, you, you need to discover your own voice. And part of that is just, hey, I, you know, I, I listen to a lot of Alistair Begg. Well, please don't try to talk in his accent. It's yes. just, not, <laughs> it's not going to work. Um, but you know, as you're learning, of course, you're mimicking, you're you're studying, you're discovering your voice. I, I guess where our issue comes is you've been preaching for ten years every week, and you're still doing that, and mm-hmm. still you know you sound funny, and, and it's almost it's almost like you just you know it when you hear it. It's hard to describe it, but you know it when you hear it, and it's like that is inauthentic, and it well, it's a distraction from the message. There, there's a there's I won't, I'm not, not going to name any names, but there is an example I've been watching recently of a you know a pastor who followed another pastor, and it's it's so distracting because the mannerisms are so incredibly similar that it makes it difficult for me to hear the message. And I think sometimes we we don't realize that that makes it trickier for our people to understand hear the message when we're not you know an authentic expression of ourselves. Right. For those of us who listen to a lot of preaching or are around preachers, we can kind of pick it up pretty quickly. We can see that they're influenced by so-and-so. But for the congregation, I think what's coming across is an inauthenticity, especially when they're around us and they're like, man, he doesn't talk like this at all in in real life. <laughs> what's funny though what, is- What's wrong with you today? <laughs> what is, what's wrong with your voice? You know, um, no, this is just me. What I've actually heard is the surprise, which should not be, but have y'all ever had comments from people that are like, I was totally surprised. You're like exactly the same person. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I there, didn't because realize you tell those kind of jokes, you tell those kind of stories all the time. And I was Sadly, like, it's not. just not expected for a yeah. lot of folks, you know. I'm not pretending of it. That's just, I'm just trying to tell you yeah. what, what it says. So, so let's ask this question though, because I mean, we can, we can talk about the concept and, and, you know, even laugh about it a little bit, but what's, what should somebody do to make sure that they are an authentic expression of themselves, that they're not just mimicking other people? Because like myself, when, when those folks came to me, I didn't realize I was doing it. And I'm sure there are many people who are maybe guilty of that, but not realizing what they're doing. What would you guys say is a way to w- kind of push watch back against yourself, it? listen to yourself. That's by far the best. Thing I think that's do. number one. I agree with you. Yeah. For me, I had, I have to stop listening to Chandler. So I stopped watching him, stopped listening to him. I used to, you know, watch every week, whatever he would preach. And um, somebody pointed it out, you know, you're, you're acting a bit like him. 
And so, so your opening illustrations are no longer 40 minutes long? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's my boy. So that, um, you know, we're going to call him Josh Chandler from now on. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I would, I would glad. I would take it. That. Yes. And so I just, um, you know, I had to stop. I just quit listening to him. Um, I read him more. Same thing with Piper. I just read him um, instead of listening because I was mimicking. And that was just. It, it was it was inadvertent. I didn't mean to do it. I just started to sound and act that way. And I started listening to preachers I really like that I, for whatever reason, I'm just not at all tempted to mimic them. So um, that's what I would, I would say, say. Yeah. So I think you're. I think you guys are absolutely right. I think you need people in your congregation who you know and trust who you give permission to speak back into you after messages are preached. I try and make it a point. I have an intern, for instance, who uh, follows me around every Sunday morning, and I've been doing that for the last three years. And I have a different intern each year, and I, you know, I preach multiple sermons, and so I'll ask him constantly between messages, "What did I do? What did I? What did I do that I shouldn't do? What did I not do that I should have done? And is there any other critique that you need to offer?" me. My wife is good about that. And there's some other people in the church who I'll ask that question to regularly. But one of the things that we forget, if you have any position of authority, uh, oftentimes people can be afraid. Uh, people who now people who have bad motives can often be comfortable pushing back. But people who have good motives can often be afraid to come and push back unless you just give them permission. Say, hey, I want pushback. I want feedback. Help me to know that. And so I would say, You're, you guys are right. Listen to it. Watch it. That sort of thing. But even then, sometimes we might miss it. Give some other people in, around you permission to speak into what you're doing. Yeah. You can also listen to the compliments. So the the funny thing, the way that I found out that I was sounding or mimicking Chandler too much was a young adult told me that Chandler sounds like me. Uh, they meant it sort of as a con, you know, um, that that preacher over the Matt Chandler, he sounds a lot like you. And I just laughed it <laughs> off and said, yeah, that fool's always copying everything. I, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and but it clicked in my so head. So should we call him Matt King? Maybe yes. we should yes. do that. Yes. I would love that. Why, as is, well. why is Tim Keller always stealing my stuff? That's right. <laughs> you know, I know he preached this 20 years ago, but come on, man. That's exactly. right. So that compliment triggered in my mind. Um, yeah, I know why that's happening. So, uh, you know, stop watching that. So, but and and I would also say um, it's good to be stretched. So I try to listen to voices that are different than me, um, particularly say maybe you know like a Tony Evans, you know uh, somebody who's or somebody who may be outside of my tribe. A Tony Evans is I would consider part of my tribe, but sure. um, I try to uh, listen to a broad spectrum of preachers as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, not not that I want to be a black preacher, I, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not going to do that, but I do have maybe 15 to 20% of my uh, congregation is ethnic minority. And I know that as we have grown in that area, I've had to preach a little differently. I'm trying not to be an authentic at all. You know, I don't want to be something I'm not, but I also have had to change the way that I preach uh, at West Bradenton than say, you know, when I was in Murray, Kentucky, a uh, small college town with a bunch of PhDs. You know, they wanted yeah. a lecture. If right. I did a lecture at West Bradenton, oh my goodness, you know, people would probably say something mid-sermon, like, what have right. you done with what our What is pastor? wrong with this guy? <laughs> um, so, you do, given your context, you do need to adjust. Yeah. But it has to be done in a way that's authentic. And so, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, I haven't listened to 
uh, a lot of Presbyterian preachers, or I haven't listened to a lot of black preachers, or I haven't listened to, you know, a lot of Southern Baptist preachers, whatever the tribe is. I need to- Or I female need to preachers. Grow, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, there's there's something. <laughs> Listen, Beth Moore can bring it. You know, don't don't Girl let me go preach. down that road. But she can preach. bring it. Preach it, sister. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I do think you need to stretch yourself. And I think that's wise. Just yeah. do it in a way that's authentic. Do it in a way where you genuinely want to learn and you're not just trying to be something you're not. Mm -hmm. So if I can say something controversial, I mean, you know, um, I list, I will listen on occasion. It's not a regular consumption. It's not a regular diet. But I'll listen on occasion to pastors, preachers that I have profound theological disagreements about if they are good uh, in terms of their oratorical skill. I'm not trying to learn from them theologically. but. Listen, I'll listen to non-pastors and preachers if they're good, effective communicators. Exactly. Who are those who do this well that we can learn from and uh, and hopefully grow our skill while at the same time making sure that we understand our theology and are consistent with our theological convictions? You know, something that I find helpful is push past. So when we listen to speakers, like you said, it doesn't have to be a preacher. I think comedians are helpful in watching the way that they deliver stories and the way they set up, um, you know, the, the, the conflict in the story and then the resolution. Those sort of things, if you will watch them a little bit more critically. So what we tend to do, the natural immediate thing is I like this speaker, so I will mimic them. But instead, ask yourself why, why not what they're doing, but why they're doing it. So um, this speaker is particularly good at drawing in the crowd. So, um, Sam, you mentioned African-American preachers. They have sort of a, a celebration to their cadence and those sort of things. They will do things like um, touch somebody, touch your neighbor or, you know, like tell, you know, lean over and tell the person next to you this sort of thing. The cool thing about that is it's very engaging and it's participatory in the congregational um, setting. So don't just do that if that's not your natural, um, authentic way of communicating. Instead, say, how would I involve the congregation in what I'm saying? If that's something you respect and you're after and those sort of things, and then do it in your way. This person, uh, you know, they tell personal stories. So that's cool. I like their stories. And, but and how I've do often, they tell the stories? And and even if if I know that this is going to be something brand new, where maybe my church hasn't really done this before, you know, I will coach in the sermon. So you know, I want my church to be a little more on the amen, on the more on the talkative side, mm -hmm. and we're getting there. But I have to coach and teach and equip and train them. And so I did a whole sermon on what is an amen for the most part, and I just had people. I told them, you let's amen through this whole thing. We're going to learn how to do this. Mm. But, I, you know, maybe it was uh, – you can – you know, my people can tell you if it was a good sermon or not. But I tried to do it in a way that was very authentic. Like, hey, guys, we can do better here. Let's try this. And it was, it was just a coachable, teachable moment for me, for the congregation. So, even if you're stretching into territory where you've never been, you can still do it in a way that's authentic. Still do it in a way that, hey, guys, we're going to learn this together and not try to pretend – like, you know, like you're something that you're not, I guess mm. is what I'm saying. So let's, let's ask this question. We, we talked about this briefly, but why does it matter? What, what's going to be the downside of us mimicking others or not be an authentic expression of ourselves in our leadership style or in the pulpit? Why does it even matter? Because if you're going to be authentic in the pulpit, inauthentic in the pulpit, that, that will lead to inauthenticity in other areas of your life. I mean, you don't, you don't ever want to introduce that in any segment of your life, whether it be with your 
family or your spouse, whether it be you're in the pulpit, whether it be in how you manage relationships. I mean, you, you open that door to pretending to be someone you're not and, and it, in, in any setting. And I think it takes you down a road that you don't want to go down. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think on, that's right. Go ahead, Josh. I think on some level, I think, I mean, if we're just honest, it doesn't. Uh, I'm a firm believer in fake it till you make it. And when you're starting out, that's why I think a minute ago, you said something about Sam, like if you've been preaching 10 years, you know, when you're first starting, there is some security in that. You're learning how to communicate those sort of things. And so uh, mimicking somebody that you respect, those sort of things is actually, I don't think that bad of a deal. Like that's how that works. And then you'll, you'll grow into your own voice. Uh, on another level though, what Sam is saying there with the, I think it calls into question what you're saying I, I, and you want to be authentic with it because you're actually, I believe this when I'm behind the pulpit. I believe this when I'm in my office. I believe this when I'm in my living room. And we've all had those situations where we've either hired a staff person or had staff inherited staff where the comment is made about their previous leadership that they were different on the stage than they were in the hallway in the office. And so that sort of inauthenticity hurts. I think one of the things that um, really matters here to, to both of your points is I think, first of all, one of the hardest things in the world for a preacher is walking into the pulpit, knowing that none of us are a perfect example of what we're preaching. In other words, that we are still not yet where what we're proclaiming is right. That doesn't mean that I don't mean it's okay for us to just be openly sinful and unrepentant or anything like that. I mean, we always preach something that is greater than the preacher who is in the, in the pulpit preaching it is right. We always aspire to this higher standard, right? So scripture is greater than we are. And there's a bit of discomfort in that. And so I think one of the ways in which we, we, we lead our people well is to acknowledge our own struggles and weaknesses in those areas. I think one of the things that does is it makes spiritual growth accessible. If, if I'm in the pews or the chairs and I'm listening to a preacher who constantly seems to be preaching this high standard of holiness and intimacy with God as if they've acquired all of that. It makes it difficult for the average person in the congregation to think, well, I can be there too. But if we hear the pastor or the preacher, whoever is saying, you know what, this is what the standard is. Here are, here are the ways where I've progressed in this in my own life, but gosh, these are the ways where I'm still struggling. If to some degree, that's the message that's being preached from the pulpit, then I think it makes the pro you know progress towards holiness accessible to our people, which is our goal. Right. We're trying to help. I mean, Paul in Colossians one. Right. I he talks about how hard he works to present every man and woman mature or complete in Christ Jesus. That's our goal. Our goal is to bring people toward Christian maturity, to help coach, lead, shepherd them towards um, being more and more like Christ. I pray every Sunday, Lord, let us leave here more like Jesus than when we came. And uh, and I think it's very difficult to do that when we're preaching as if we've already gotten we've already arrived. And, and when the truth is, none of us who are preaching it have arrived. Mm -hmm. So the tone in which we use, the way in which we communicate it, um, expresses sort of that authenticity, that I'm not perfect. I'm not raised up um, by my voice. I, th I just think that the medium matters. The way that we're communicating things matters. It's the same thing as when, you know, um, when you're trying to be tender and compassionate to a child or when you're trying to be loving to your spouse, those sort of your voice changes and the voice itself communicates something. So when we stand in the pulpit and 
we communicate in an inauthentic way, then uh, then I think it calls into question what we're saying. That's just yeah. And, how and you make I a good point it. about say children or senior adults or you're preaching in a large church, small church, or in a assisted living facility. Mm-hmm. A key part of authenticity is knowing your audience as well. Right. And making sure that you adjust accordingly. Um, you, you know, you go in and preach to a assisted living facility with 20 people there the same way that you do to a crowd of 3,000 young people. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so adjusting to the audience is also a part of being authentic, I believe. Yeah. And there's something that's been really kind of going through my mind lately is this whole idea of like, so we preach the good news. That's, uh, that's generally speaking, the message of the Bible is a message of hope. And yet sometimes I think I'm tempted, but you know, and, and this is just a small sampling. I don't think all preachers are this way, but when you see things on social media or something like that, how is it that the message of hope gets interpreted most often to be screaming and punching pulpits and hollering at people? I mean, it just, it seems like that's not hopeful. And when we leave or when the majority of our preaching, we turn on this persona of the voice from on high, just railing against our people. I think that that is, um, I think we're missing something there. And I think it layers into what we feel like we're actually up there to do. Yeah, Either I think communicate what God says or yell at people. I think there's uh, there's something to that, Josh. What what are you know what does it look like to be holy and uh, to be increasingly holy to walk with Jesus to be intimate with Jesus? Does it look like stumbling but progressing, walking in you know in light of Christ and His Word and um, it, walking in grace, or does it look like this confident, self-assured, always? God? I mean, when you look at the Scripture, look at the disciples. Look at the early followers of Christ in the early first century church. There was a whole lot of stumbling, a whole lot of grace giving, but progression toward holiness. Mm-hmm. That's that's really what it looks like to follow Jesus. It's not, I mean, Peter didn't have it all figured out. Peter didn't have it going on, right? I mean, Peter is, I love Peter because Peter's got this hoof and mouth disease, right? Constantly sticking his <laughs> foot in his mouth. Uh, but at the same time, Peter increasingly grows more and more like Jesus, increasingly holy, leads the church. I mean, it's impressive progress, but it is progress. And I think sometimes we forget that in the way we present ourselves. And and let's be honest, one of the reasons why we do all of this as pastors and preachers is out of massive insecurity. If we acknowledge, yeah. so so this is where it gets really down to it. If we acknowledge that we struggle with these things, nobody's going to listen to me. Mm-hmm. If we acknowledge that we're, you know, struggling in a particular area, nobody's going to pay attention to what I have to say. And I found that the opposite is true. When we get up there and say, this is, Jesus is good. This is what he calls us to. I'm working towards here. I still struggle with it at times. Everybody in the church goes, oh, I'm not the only one. Well, then let's do this together. Let's, let's push each other. Let's encourage each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that's a beautiful picture of what we're trying to call people to and, and not some faith, inauthentic picture that can never be achieved. Self-righteousness is not a value in the kingdom of God. Mm. But that's but what we, we're doing often when we portray an inauthentic picture of ourselves. And we kind of mentioned it earlier, but I do want to make a note here. Um, there, there's a cultural uh, layer to this. Uh, I think there's also, it's not so much generational, but there is seasons of um, preaching styles. And so there was a time where 
that uh, smooth order with the deep booming voice and and those certain ways that they said God in the Bible and how they led into their sermons, those sort of things, there was absolutely nothing wrong with that. And we're not even pretending like there was. And then there are still preachers today who come from that generation or that time, and that's where they learn to preach. They are authentically preaching as they preach in the style that they have always preached in. That's just the way they are. So there's a certain level here of um, cultural or generational, whatever you want to call it. Just Yeah, well, con- the context of time and the context of exactly the way people context. communicated, yeah. say, 100 years ago. Yeah, you, and, you know, that, now that we have recordings and, you know, you can go back and listen to, say, Adrian Rogers um, or, or others that are, you know, very historical, known, well-known preachers, um, just like you have historical theology, which there was a way that people believed at certain times. Uh, so you also have historical preaching, and there's ways that preachers have communicated over time. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to be anachronistic yeah. in your preaching. You don't want to be like, "Wow, that man, that that guy sounded really good 50 years ago. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go preach like him." No, that you need to preach for today. You may learn something, and mm-hmm. you may get a tool and a rhetorical device that you didn't know before by listening to historical preaching. But I would say you don't need to sound like that because we're in 20 now, 2020. You don't need to sound like you're from 1950. Right. Yeah. And I would say, you know, we started this kind of talking about the preacher voice, but ultimately this is not about your mannerism in the pulpit to the, that, that's not the, that's not the primary issue. The primary issue is regardless of rhetorical style or whatever the case might be, how do you portray yourself as you lead? Do you portray yourself as, yes, I'm broken. I struggle with sin. Jesus loves me and I'm dependent on grace and I'm stumbling toward Jesus. Or is your method of portrayal, whether it's what you say or how you say, is it intended to provide a cloak uh, that sort of covers for your own insecurity and portrays you to be more righteous than you are? If that's the case, there's a problem in my opinion and it doesn't matter i mean you can you can you know you can use the preacher voice if you want but if you're doing so in a way that is expressing humility and authentic you know picture of yourself as someone who loves jesus but is stumbling towards him and dependent on grace that's wonderful uh, you can be this hip cool kid you know who's in the denim jacket or whatever in the skinny jeans and you know, being uh, as fake as anybody else could be, right? So it, it doesn't, that's not the issue. The issue is how do you portray yourself? Are you trying to portray yourself in such a way that sort of advances your self-righteousness or not? I think that's ultimately the problem. Did uh, Did you guys share, we got just a second here. Did you all share who you would more mimic, you'd be tempted to mimic? Like mine's Chandler. Do y'all know or have y'all ever done that? I probably am prone to mimic someone more like Tim Keller. Mm. Uh, Keller is my, I like to say Keller is my Yoda. I love Keller. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know that I've tried to mimic, but I love the smoothness of Adrian Rogers and the memorability of uh, Alistair Begg. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I listen to a lot of Keller too, but you know, he's academic in New York city. So mimicking him. Like, it's just not going to happen. That's that's probably a good point, Sam, because I grew up under Adrian Rogers, W.A. Criswell, those sort of preachers. And that's probably – I do probably have some of that in me still. Uh, it's mm-hmm. probably less so now than it was 20 years ago, but but I'm probably still struggle a little bit inclined in that direction. But, I, I mean, if you listen to my stuff, you're going to go, 
ah, I think I've heard Tim Keller say something uh, like that. I've heard Alistair yeah. Begg say something like that. Ah, I recognize that little Adrian Rogers quip. Um, yeah. You know, I, I definitely steal things from, mm-hmm. from them, and I'm not ashamed of that at all. Uh, but I, I do try to preach in my own voice. Everyone has influences. I mean, look at the music industry, right? Yeah, you can say, right. oh, that band was clearly influenced by name the, the band. You know? Yeah, you too. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the Beatles be. influenced everyone. But, Everybody. Um, but you can see the, the progression of music and how influences have happened. I'd say the same thing for preaching. You just you just need to be who you are in the pulpit and, and you need to grow. And sometimes part of growing is I'm going to stretch myself by listening to – I've been listening to a lot more Tony Evans of late just because I just – I don't know. I'm late to the party and I'm going, man, this guy is good. Mm-hmm. He is so good and, and I've enjoyed it and I've, it stretched me in a good way. Um, but yeah, I'd say, I'd say Alistair Begg's probably the most – at this point in my, my ministry, the most influential. Very good. That's the time we got for today. Well, hang on. Okay. We we need, we need to talk about our sponsor. I know. And you don't see the messages I'm sending you, so there's your plug. <laughs> no, I don't. You know what? And I'm being so good. Yeah. I don't have my cell phone in front of me. I'm I'm not like getting on Twitter like you two are every time I talk. Yeah. Um, well, it just but, said, Sam, end it, transi- transition us. So, oh, it, you're just like my tech team. Land <laughs> the plane, man. Land the That's plane. Cool. All right. Church Initiative really makes it easy. You've got to talk about Church Initiative. Really makes it easy to get their program started. We're talking about um, their divorce care, grief share programs. All you need to do is identify one person, just one person who's interested in leading the ministry. Purchase the kit. It's got everything you need for the 13-week video-based support groups. You can connect your volunteer with Church Initiative Coaches. This is a great, great program. You, um, There's a lot of pastors, Micah included, um, Josh included, myself included, that are behind Grief Share, Divorce Care. We really support it. Um, and, you know, you'll, you'll enjoy this program being in your church, and it will help a lot of people because a lot of people are struggling with divorce, struggling with grief. So this is where you can go. Visit churchinitiative.org forward slash EST. Um, you can learn more there. Churchinitiative.org forward slash EST. Check the show notes as well. The links will be there. They're at samrainer.com. And you know what? It's a great program. Go get it. Fantastic. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you find us, like, uh, you know, iTunes, Spotify, all the good ones. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Peace. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.